Uvala Nuatak, Uvanga Angela Starts, and welcome to Real Indigenous. We have all of our hosts here tonight and a very special guest. We're going to start out with introductions. Holly Tu, Jimmy Chukma, this is Tully. Osio Hawaii, this is Candace Bird Boney. Hey, everyone, Monica Brain. Hey, everybody, this is Matt Bars. Madhu Wicca, this is Sunrise. It's Jen Hawaii, this is Noetta Harjo. And joining us is our very special guest. It's Jay Sango, Francis Danger Chiochkos. Hello, how are you? My name is Francis Danger. I am Muskogean Seminole. I'm a daughter of Katsalji clan, Tiger. I'm very excited to be here today. Some of you may know me from being mad on the internet. I do that a lot. Um, I've actually earned a top fan badge because I yell at Kevin Stitt so much on Facebook. So um, those are two things that I'm really well known for. <laughs> actually, I'm a freelance journalist. Uh, previous gallery owner and curator. So if you have an opportunity there, let me know. <laughs> but also, um, I'm a fierce state of rights advocate. I don't have a problem speaking up and being loud and not making people feel comfortable a lot of the time. So um, I'm here to make noise. I'm here to make change. And those are the things that are important to me. And part of that is representation. That's kind of why I'm here today to talk about reservation dogs. I think it's safe to say that you're a super fan. Oh, oh yeah yeah what gave it away the sonics medallion <laughs> yeah please describe for our listeners what you have around your neck it's a beaded sonics medallion this was made for me by a friend on twitter okay so i went one day to get a, a drink from sonics a route 44 from sonics and when i got to my destination i realized that someone had put an s on the sonics cup and it turned out my friend Casper had done it and had seen it was me that ordered and put this S on it. So I posted a photo of it and someone made a little, you can see there's a little S here in a little, in this little sharpie color, a black color, um, made this based upon the joke of Casper doing that to my cup and then sent it to me. So, and then I have the uh, matching Sonics earrings that were a, Chris, a birthday gift for my friend Ashley. You, you might say that people know that I'm a little bit of a fan of reservation dogs. I, uh, on reservation dogs, personally, I appeared on, I, okay, so I filmed four episodes as background. I appeared in three of those. I was actually right behind a guard in the last episode um, at the behind Bully Jack. So you couldn't see me in the episodes, last episode, series finale, but I was in it. I've just got to be honest with you. That was one of the most amazing things that I've ever, ever experienced to be on an indigenous set like that. Cause I've been on other sets and the love and care that went into every single moment of reservation dogs, you can see it on the screen. You can feel it in your heart to have been part of that. I don't care if I never got seen on screen. I just care that I was part of this historic moment for all of us. Since we have come to the end of a very exciting, amazing three seasons of Reservation Dogs, maybe you could kind of just tell us like what your personal like connection is to like, did you know Sterling before Reservation Dogs? Did you know the people that were in it? Because all of us are kind of connected some way to Reservation Dogs. Earlier we were talking about how Angela knew Cheese's mother. And so yes. I was wondering, like, you know, what your experiences were and then what your hope was when it came in and did it fulfill the hopes or did it go even higher than that? Clearly, I say we're all connected to it because I mean, we are. It is that 
Reservation Dogs is us. I've said it before and I said it again. We didn't, we have not had the luxury of turning on a TV or opening a magazine or picking up a book or seeing a movie where we are accurately represented as fully formed human beings with, you know, who are funny and who say bad words and who tease each other and are sad and, and, and not just like this stoic warrior trope, you know? And so to be able to have that once a week for three years over three seasons, that's a gift, not just to us either, because we, we, you know, we fight so hard for representation and, and we fought against things like mascots where people are doing the tomahawk chop. And that's what they, when they think of us, that's what they think of. And now not only is the world going to be able to turn on the show and see that is not who we are, but our youth going forward will always have this. They're not going to know what the Washington commanders were formerly called. They're not going to hear that word, but they're going to see this. And that is so important for me personally. It's a fight. I fight for our representation all the time. So seeing it, seeing it come to life, not just, you know, on my screen, but on set, it's overwhelming to me. Um, I did not know Sterling beforehand. Uh, We have spoken several times since, you know, I've been on set and things like that. I'm actually related to Woodka Long. He played, I think his name's Steven in the show. Uh, He's the one who sang for Mabel, who sang in the finale. He sang at my dad's service at Casita, where the finale was filmed. If you remember where they were digging uh, Old Man Fixico's grave, directly to the right of that is where my ancestors lie, my family and my ancestors lie. Uh, my dad, my uncle, my cousin, my cousin's children, up through my great-great-great-grandfather, March Monday. To see the way that that was honored, just personally for me, was very... Uh, it's like that scene in the jail where the ancestors, you know, they're behind Willie Jack. And every time I hear Wutka's voice be raised like that, I hear their voices. I hear them sing with him. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of us do too. I always say about that jail scene, you know, natives, we cry because we know this and everyone else cries because they don't. And that is, that is what is so important about this show is to give people the, a true understanding of who we are, because we're not just, we're not just noble savages. We're not just what everybody's been taught we are and this is it's changed the world it's not just changed our world it has changed the world and i think that's the most important thing it could have ever done and so while i am sad it is gone after three seasons i am so very 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 happy and appreciative that it exists um, so, you know, I come from uh, a Muskogee and Seminole background as well. So I know exactly what you mean with hearing those songs and where it takes you. It, it, it like hits you right in the gut when you hear them because you know them, you know, you heard them. So the cultural significance that this show has brought forward for Muskogee people in particular has just been, it's almost overwhelming. Uh, but it's also a different side to what it, it it means because I'm Osage as well. So, you know, we're Plains and then there's Southeast. So 
we're having culture, two different cultures shown or more cultures shown, I guess, with dark winds also being Navajo being Southwest. So can you talk a little bit about the impact of that? It's so important. You know, I, I like to, when I talk to people about representation, I tell them, you know, our, you know, Muskogee Seminole people, we didn't wear headdresses. So like your little headdress, that's not us. That's not who we are. We didn't have TPs. We had long houses, you know, there are, there are, and I, and I, I try really hard when I speak about the different nations to call them nations. Um, not that there's anything wrong with tribes or anything like that, but I feel like there is such a disconnect between exactly how we operate as, you know, sovereign entities that people don't understand that this is not, we were racialized post invasion, right? We didn't have race. We had our Moedis, we had our tribes, we had our nations. And that is why we are, in, we are able to enter into treaties. That's why we have the sovereignty that was just reaffirmed back in 2020, right? So I'm very excited about that. I think that people finally seeing us as distinct entities is going to go a long way into their understanding of who and what we are, not only as, you know, as as political entities, but as people. And I think we've spent so long being racialized and stereotyped into this one size fits all thing that finally people are saying, you know, one of, one of my story I was told about first Americans Museum during the one of the first tours, a woman came walking out of the, the very first little thing that had like pre-contact to post-invasion and she couldn't talk. She was just like, and her, her partner was like, are you okay? What's going on? Finally, she just said, I didn't know they spoke their own languages. I thought they only spoke Indian. And that was so profound to me because I'm like, we have entered this, this new era where people are having to have their eyes open. There's, there's no hiding anymore. Since 2020, there's no, there, you have no excuse anymore. You know, it is 2023. We all know what happened. We all went through it. You must have a reckoning. And that's what this is. This is a reckoning. This is a recognition of the sins of the past that have colored this future that will continue to color our future unless we, we throw light on it and heal it. And I believe it is our generation's call. To, it was the previous generation's call to survive. It's our generation's time to heal. And it's the next generation's time to thrive. Not that we're not thriving, but I'm saying for them to really be fully realized. We, our, our ancestors did not fight to survive just so that we had to fight to live. They wanted us to be everything that they dreamed and everything that was stolen from them. And I feel like right now, seeing all the different iterations of who we are and as peoples and as, as nations, and we're finally coming into that reality of it's our time. You try to take that away from us. That was one of the, one of the things that really I loved about Reservation Dogs was the star people stuff. <laughs> because I was like, oh, you guys think this is like cute and funny, but our youth are always and forever going to know this now. And we use your ways to do it. We use your ways to preserve it. 
You tried to kill it and it's for ours forever. I love that. I love that. We turned colonization on its head. Every single episode they did. And and settlers loved it. So I I just, I don't know. I just love the show. It's amazing. I wanted to ask you, going back specifically to that moment of um, showing the, the, the funeral of Old Man Fixico, uh, my husband and I, we were watching and uh, we were marveling at seeing this on screen. You know, you're talking about these ways that are going to be forever preserved. And, you know, it was a very powerful moment. And um, we were we were watching and we were just also um, wondering, like, we were kind of shocked, too, that that was being shown because we kind of had this idea that that's not something that is normally shown or was it something that just didn't have the opportunity to be shown? Because I didn't know if it was one of those things that that's for public consumption or is that something that in this moment, in this time, this this was deemed appropriate to to show um, them unloading the, the, the funeral house and um, and and digging a grave? You know, it, it was a very powerful, very powerful uh, moment, very powerful image. You know, I feel like there was enough that was not I feel like there was enough that was closed practices that was not given away that was not spoken of that was not shown that um but this again this is just me my my take on it um I didn't ever feel like there was a line crossed that was one of my concerns about this show because um about any any time we're represented right is how much do are we so much has been stolen from us so much has been taken from us we should have the right to hold sacred what is sacred to us and hold that close and that should be respected and in so many ways it's not you know when you can walk into whole foods and buy sage you know what's going on when we got you know christina fallon put on a headdress there's a reason we hold things close but i never once felt that I felt like it was it was right up to a line um, and it was done in such a respectful and it, it was masterfully handled. And when it comes down to it, part of that needed to be shown. We need to be seen in our totality. And part of that totality is loss. It's grief. But also it showed how we can heal from that. I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of being called resilient. I want to be called funny. I want to be called smart. I want to be called, I want to be called pretty, you know, I want to be able to be all these things. And I think that when we see them come together at the end of that, and, you know, of course, Bev leading big away, what that is us, you know, that, that is us. We can take this and we can, we can heal and we can be made whole from it. And we're not just a damaged people. We're not just the sum total of our trauma. That's why I think that this finale was just so perfect. It, it just it just put the the bow on top of the ginormous gift that was a show, and it was incredibly well done. And um, yeah, I don't feel like it crossed the line. I think I think it towed the line perfectly. And uh, I still I'm still tearing up thinking about it, just because I've been there. You know, I've, I've been, they blew that horn for my dad. They they rang that bell for my father. So to see it like that done in such a way. I think when it comes down to it, what we most seek as natives, besides, you know, respect, human dignity and respect is 
understanding because we've been misunderstood for so long and we have had who we are defined by other people for so long to see something like this come to fruition and, and, and really explode the way it has. It gives me hope. And that's not something that comes very easily. I have a specific question. You were there when it first showed the season or the series finale. Yes. And uh, there's a moment where like, uh, it's almost like when we come back from the title, the Reservation Dogs logo, and we're in, we're sort of like in this shot where it's like, we're looking at the hearse. Yeah. Right. And the hearse is like moving and it's, it's slowly on its way to arriving. And um, there was this response from the audience that was like very interesting to me uh, where people were like really responding with a lot of like joy. And there was like a lot of noise when that vehicle appeared. <laughs> and I, this is something that eludes me. I don't know. I don't know if it's like a very specific vehicle or if it's like if there was something that uh, you can reveal to me. Uh, that, that was something that was really interesting and specific. It was the driver. It was what he was doing. And it was it was the wheels on the hearse. Uh, yeah. Wheels on the hearse. Yeah. The wheels on the hearse. Because <laughs> that was such that was such a native touch to have. Like it just We've all seen that vehicle. We've all ridden in that vehicle. We probably might have owned that vehicle. <laughs> it was just those wheels. And the way he was coming down that road. Yeah. And we drove right by the prison. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just perfect. It, it just, it, it, it just, that's, and that's the thing is there's those small touches like that. There's an authenticity there that has been so missing in our representation for so long. We all know that. We all know that guy. Of course he showed up without shovels. Of course he did. Because he's, because that's who he is. That's one of the really incredible things about this show is um, they take even the smallest little, in, in little moments and make them so real. There's not a single thing that hasn't been absolutely thought through. And I think that's because in, in a lot of ways it had to be that way. We watched, we have watched, there has been backlash against certain aspects of the show. It almost had to be as perfect as possible for it to be what it is. And that's unfortunate because we should also be allowed to make mistakes. But when you're groundbreaking in the way that Reservation Dogs is, you're the litmus test and you got to get it right. I don't think that people understand the amount of pressure that I feel like was placed on Sterling and, and, and the cast and they carried the weight of all of our peoples on their shoulders, on those tiny little shoulders, on Willie Jack's little bitty shoulders. And they did it. I think any kind of backlash, yes, deserved because nothing's perfect. But I also think when we look at what it did accomplish and what it's going to continue to accomplish for us as peoples, it's opened doors that can never be slammed shut in our faces again. That's incredible to me. And all from those little tiny wheels on that car. Can you tell us what what it was like to be there in the theater where they were showing the final episode? What was the energy like? What was the feedback like? How did you get there? Um, Turner Turnpike? I'm kidding. No, no. <laughs> I'm, 
Uh, I jumped in the car with my friend, Laura Rice, <laughs> and we raced down there. Lee McCormick was saving us seats with blankets. And she says, I'm in VIP. Just go tell them you were in the show. And I was like, that's not going to work. And then I was in VIP. And um, it was really strange because there was this air of anticipation, but also a little bit of heaviness. I think that we were all, I, I and I, I, I've been very vocal about this. I am very much grieving this show. I've cried every episode this season, except the first episode. I feel like I've lost a friend. I feel like I've lost people that I I understood and who understood me. I think in a lot of ways, a lot of people feel the same way. But there was also that joy there of being able to be there for that historic moment. There were a lot of Pendleton blankets being handed out. A beautiful one from Dead Center for, um what, what was it, the icon, the, the, the series got an icon award. Yeah, this Oklahoma Film Icon Award was given to the entire production crew. Yeah, that was really cool. And then uh, they gave one to the FX person, the the gentleman from FX. And then we got really excited because he said, we're really excited to show you the last two episodes of Reservation Dogs. So we thought that like there was a surprise twofer, but it was just Alora's dad again. And then <laughs> the finale. But that's fine because it was really cool to see that on a big screen. And then, of course, um, Chief and Second Chief um came out and spoke and then sterling came out surprisingly really touching not surprisingly it's kind of hard to watch because his eyes were red and puffy and you could tell that this was just a moment for him and, and he was just so grateful and thankful and you know speaking from a place of um yaskara humility and just to see how much of his heart and his soul and everything he was that he put into the show to be on full display like that. It was really beautiful. I don't personally think we can thank him enough for everything he has done for us. We need to give him all the Pendleton blankets. <laughs> um, the man is a genius. We watched Dolores dad and then immediately went right into the finale. And uh, it was almost like at the end, all of us decided to breathe again. I mean, you could almost feel like a decompression in the, in the, in the audience. You know, just the being sad it's over, but also just being so glad it, it was ever made. It was a truly incredible night. I am forever thankful that I somehow bumbled my way into VIP. I, I really wish, I really wish I could have rented a bus and just piled all sorts of people in there with me and taken them with me to this. Cause I, I've been lucky enough to be there because they they premiered the first two episodes for the first two seasons. And I was there for both of those as well. So while I am a huge supporter of SAG-AFTRA and WGA, uh, I was a little sad that they didn't have the premiere this year because of the strikes. Although I 100% support SAG-AFTRA and WGA, there was a little bit of loss there. So to have this finale come forth the way it did, it was kind of incredible and, and very um, exciting. And um, oh, oh, and they gave us snacks. And um, and shirts. We got reservation dog shirts, red with like yellow writing that just says reservation dogs. And then, and I've wanted one of these hats for so long, but I haven't gotten one because I don't wear baseball caps, but I still want one. Um, Urban Native Era has the you are on native land cap. They gave those out, but it has a reservation dogs patch on the side. Yeah, baby. That's so cool. Dang. 
Did you get the red or the blue hat? Because there were two. I got the red hat. Get the red hat. Oh. I got the red hat. I just, I, I thought about bringing it up with me to the Comanche Nation Fair to get uh, Dallas, uh, Dallas Goldtooth and Son McLaren to sign it. But then I was like, no, I kind of just want to have it. I just want to have it. So, yeah. Paulina was there too. She could have signed it. Okay, so they did not tell us Paulina was going to uh-uh, be. Okay. They didn't. Then Garadio was there as well. Yes, we found out whenever we went to the parade, and all of a sudden there was Paulina almost falling off. But I have a picture of her where she's a little bit leany, and I'm like, "Oh, she's going to fall off that horse. Do not fall." Tom <laughs> <laughs> and I were like, "Well, hold on, Willie Jack, hold on," and and she straightened herself up. But um, yeah, we had no clue, and so we saw both of them. And then we had gone back to take a quick nap and then go um, back to the fair and got shut out of the meet and greet to meet the rest of them. And we were like, oh, but, you know, we got pictures of them at the parade and I actually had to sit next. I not had to. I got the chance to sit next to Paulina in um, a scene that didn't get used at the jail the first during the second season. So I was sitting there on my phone because you're not supposed to really look at anybody or talk or breathe or do anything. You know, you're not supposed to interrupt, don't ask for autographs, don't do anything. So I'm sitting there on my phone waiting for the scene to start again. And someone flops down next to me. And I'm just like, okay, I look over and it's Paulina. And I'm like, I did not freak out <laughs> on the inside. I freaked out on the inside so hard. But Did you talk yeah. to her? I did not. Um, I, I followed the rules. The only person that I did actually ever talk to because they they actually came to me was uh, Lily Gladstone, and she is so sweet. I also had the chance to to meet and hang out with her a little bit at uh, the Dead Center Film Festival uh, Fancy Dance. We happened to sit right next to each other. We are fo- we follow each other on Twitter, so that's one degree of separation there. But um, she is so sweet and so kind and um funny and deserving of every bit of craziness she's about to have to deal with i hope they're doing well so speaking of lily um you know she was one of the many guest stars uh, reservation dogs had throughout three seasons um who were some of your favorites of course lily (laughs) because she gave us that scene she gave us that jail scene like her words that 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 whole Man, that was just that. That is my favorite scene of the whole entire. I keep I go back to that, that scene, and even just thinking of it, I tear up. You know, but like, of course, the whole flaming flamers heist at the beginning just set the tone for the entire season. The, the entire thing, I, you know. I oh, I did get to meet West Judy at Dead Center, and he was very nice. Gosh, and of course, I I just um had the opportunity to do a meet and greet and meet uh, Dallas and Zahn McLaren. Dallas is a sweetheart. Um, Zahn was really, really nice. But Dallas made sure everybody in that line, even though it was supposed to end at 8 p.m., the meet and greet got a, an autograph. And it was like almost 10 p.m. And he was still out there signing autographs. So I don't know. I'm, I have not had a bad interaction with anyone in that cast crew or or anything they've always been i can't you know having been on having been on a different set i can say that the atmosphere was completely different i 
did not go back to the other set by choice. Whereas I jumped at every single chance I got to be on that reservation dog set. You know, Matt Bars was also on set. I was on both of those sets, the other set that you were talking about. And you're absolutely right. Uh, the the mood was nothing uh, on the not reservation dog set was nothing, not, nowhere near as, I mean, it was, it was okay. But I mean, but yeah, the res dog set was very welcoming. Everyone was always joking around and hanging out, having a good time. Sterling walking around playing, uh-huh. playing his music all the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. All the time. I remember he walked past me at one point. It was during, I was waiting for some reason, they did not move me and two other of the background actors outside of the jail thing. So we were like sitting there while they're filming uh, Lily and Sterling's playing greasy fry bread. And he just walks past me, past me. He's like, holy cheeks. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. I'm done. I just got to see Sterling Hardra say booty cheeks really loud. My life is complete. <laughs> It was a fun set. It was fun, and mm-hmm. our service was really good. Yeah, I heard um, my friend Lee, our friend Lee, she 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 gushed about uh, the treatment she got on set. You know, in the the would you call it the catering or hospitality? Yeah, yeah, the catering and the hospitality. Like, and she's done. I love how active she's being and and her and her film and her film career. And um, she talked about how different she also she she also said how different and how wonderful it is working on working on this set with with everybody and the the camaraderie and the jokes and sounded like it was a, a great time. It really was. I would go back and do it again in a heartbeat. And I was just background. So I can only imagine like having been main cast and been able to be there in that environment all the time. I have found myself really kind of insulating myself in terms of being surrounded by indigeneity. And I recently had a um, an experience where I was displaced out of that. And I, would, I was in a very non-indigenous space. It made me appreciate all the more those spaces where I can go and I don't have to worry about being called like I, I was, I was asked to speak Indian to someone in this other space. Do you speak Indian? Speak Indian to me. And I'm like, I'm Muskogee and Seminole. I will, I will correct you all day long. I am Muskogee and Seminole. Once I tell you what my nations are, you call me by my nations. And I was not in a position where I could say more than that. So it gave me an appreciation of this life that I have built to have a set do that for all of us like you can feel it coming through the screen you 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 hear it in the words you see it in the actions you feel it every everything about that was so indian it just was it was and it's kind of spectacular that you know i hate to say it this way but that that was allowed to happen if you had to pick a favorite season and or favorite episode besides the the one in the prison what would it be season two I love season two. Just rewatching it over and over again. Even though it had one of my one of my episodes, I was like, "That's really that's a lot." Which was the um, you know the uh, big drinks ayahuasca and LSD episode. But uh, my favorite of that of the second season would be, have to be Mabel showing a little bit of our practices, a little bit of our ways without crossing a line, but still inching people closer to understanding of of who we are. 
and our very, you know, at our very basis levels of, of our souls. So I think that those things are important. I will say this though. I loved, love, love that the uh, the nun in the uh, the boarding school episode was named Sister Stitt. Yeah. Just yeah. put that out there. I'm just going to slide that on in there. <laughs> Sister Stitt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and essentially what was a kind of a horror episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, there's, there's been a lot of reaction to that episode. I, I, um, I generally every week would post my thoughts and, and feelings on those things. And I, uh, I couldn't talk about that one for almost a week afterwards. Um, I am the uh, first generation of my family not to have been forced into the re-education camps, as I call them, since their inception. Milaga, Nyaka, Yuchi, Haskell, Yufala, Carter Seminary. I'm the first. Me and me and my generation. It took me a while to really address that. And all I really wanted to say, and all I really said was, you all are devastated by this. Non-natives, because generally I'm, I'm speaking to non-natives, because I don't need to speak to natives. You, you, natives understand what it is I'm saying. But when I say, you know, every horror that you feel like you experienced in that episode does not hold a candle to what actually happened. And I've interviewed a survivor. I know the, we all know these stories. They're part of the things that are passed on to us. That is our job to heal. And I think that putting that to the forefront was one of the most important things the reservation dogs could have done. It really is making people have to reckon with not only the sins of the past, but these structures that they are continuing to benefit from. How important was the state of Oklahoma, specifically Eastern Oklahoma, as a character in this series? I'm sorry, it was the fifth reservation dog. This was such, and, and, I, and I think this is very important to make note of, this was such a Muskogee Seminole show. I mean, it had broader, you know, Indian country terms and things like that. It was very much a Muskogee Seminole show or Seminole Muskogee in deference to, uh, to Sterling that you couldn't have done it unless it was in Eastern Oklahoma. Shit ass. <laughs> That's not going to come. That's going to come from Eastern Oklahoma. The whole, um, I love the uh, the fact that Uncle Brownie got his axe and got up on top of that roof. <laughs> and I love the hymns and I love the feel of everything and and Kenny boy Kenny boy and all of his all of his crew that was pure eastern oklahoma okay like we couldn't have had we could not have had reservation dogs like Kenny boy so big ups to Kenny boy for being from eastern oklahoma like that in that way right it really it really i don't and i think you could feel the difference like when they were transported to california for a couple episodes you get that was very California. And in that same way, you couldn't have had the reservation dogs be anywhere else and have them be what they were. So while there were some universal themes there, there were also some things that were just uniquely, you know, Seminole Muskogee and uh, Muskogeean. And and that was I, I feel like that's part of why I feel so seen and heard and why it means so much to me. Not just because that really is me on the screen, and it's people that I love. And people that I know, people that I'm related to on that screen, I'm on that screen. And it's, 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 
it's overwhelming in a sense because I grew up wanting to be an actress, actually. I took drama all through high school. Like I made it to the national competition. I had my whole shampoo bottle Oscar speech from the time I was like nine years old, right? The reason I didn't pursue it after high school is because I did not see where a fluffy native girl could make a living at it. And so I set that dream aside, proceeded to bumble my way through life (laughs) and uh, end up where I am now. I may not be holding up a shampoo bottle as an Oscar anymore, but man, I was on TV. Sterling gave a little girl her dream back and I will always be thankful for that. I don't want to end it on that note, but (laughs) I do have one more question. Uh, I'm sure you've been reading all of the reviews and all of the everything that everybody has been writing you know we've all had our opinions about what's been written where where are you on all of the the quote-unquote criticism that's flying around out there you know honestly i have not been reading about it and you know why because i want it to be what it is right now you can you can criticize it all day long from where you sit in your life but we sit in this life we live this life and when i say that show, that ending was exactly what it needed to be. I say that as someone who's lived that, as someone who has been there, as someone who wakes up every day with brown skin and a misunderstanding of who I am by the general outside world. So go ahead, criticize, say whatever you want. I know the truth. And there's enough people out there that are going to watch that and know the truth too, that your articles aren't going to matter. Agreed, agreed. So Give us your prediction of where you think the characters are going to go in their life. Alora is definitely going to graduate college. She is. It's a two-year college, the College of Muscovy Nation. So she's going to be fluent when she leaves, too, because they make you take the, the language classes. Hopefully she uh, takes class from my Uncle Gene, Eugene Herrick, College of Muscovy Nation. Shout out. Um, <laughs> I think she's going to be very successful in whatever she does. She's very tenacious. I think Big and Bev... Going to get married. Well, share a blanket for a long time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think Bear is finally going to find his way. I love the fact that he finally got together with Jackie. I called that. Like on the way down there, I was like, Bear and Jackie going to end up together. And Laura was like, no way. I'm like, watch me. Watch it. I willed it into existence. And Jesus just going to, I think they've all got a shot. I think that Willie Jack is going to become a very wise elder, wise ass elder one day. I think that that ending gave everybody in that series. And I think what was missing in the beginning was hope, you know, coming from the damage that was the loss, uh, let's just say the suicide of Daniel, how much pain and trauma that caused. And I think that seeing a funeral at the end and seeing them say that they love each other and they're going to get through it. How is that not the perfect ending? It's full circle. It was really a beautiful thing that can't ever be taken away from us now. And I think that's the thing that makes me the most happy. Besides going to the premieres that you've gone to, um, I, you mentioned earlier that um, families uh, watch it together. I, my, my family has weekly um, or had weekly uh, watch parties. I was curious as to how, how you watched it every week. So uh, my mom, uh, we watched it for, for what well, we would gather together and watch it a lot. Um, my mom is uh, indigenous Mexican and German. So she was also not raised in her communities. Um, my father was Muscovian. I spent a great deal of this last season watching it with her. 
and explaining things to her that she had never to her, we were just as racialized and not seeing in terms of she tried to raise us, you know, going to powwows and things like that, but she didn't know. So for her, this was just as eye opening and she loved it. I mean, she was just like, I never knew that. I'm like, I know you never knew that. I had to learn it too, you know? So it was, it was very much um, a learning experience. And then also having the interaction of people online, you know, social media wise, has been a very big part of, of, of my interaction. The reason I do so much stuff on social media is when I actually began my advocacy work, I was uh, agoraphobic and I had agoraphobia for 11 years, didn't leave the house. So all my work had to be done online, all my advocacy, everything. So I still find that is one of my best avenues because I'm good with words a little bit. So I try and, and 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 play to my strengths that way. I've been able to to use that what I feel is a gift from creator to continue these conversations and make an impact in the way that I can. I may not be able to to march as much as everybody else, but I'm trying to hold it down online. So those those interactions have become very important to me. What are you watching now? Right now, I'm actually taking a break. Um, uh, the, over the past since the premiere, I've been dog sitting and house sitting. And then I went to the Comanche Nation Fair. And honestly, I'm just kind of trying, trying to recover and from all that um, very physical situation that I'm not used to. <laughs> I'm an indoor girl. So uh, the, all these outdoor activities are a little much for me. But um, I have just recently started Dark Winds. I just got, uh, what was the, what is the, um, the audiobook, uh, the, the Don't Whistle at Night? Oh, did you get that? Yes, I have it. I'm starting to listen to that. And then at the end of the trail of tears was a and at the end of the trail was a promise. I think is another audio book that I have that I just got. And then I'm re-listening to Heartbeat of Wounded Knee by David Truer, which is an amazing book. So yeah, I'm kind of taking a break from a whole lot of um shows right now. I think like I said, when I said I'm grieving, I really am. Like I don't I don't know that I'm ever gonna have that moment again with a TV show. Although I am looking forward to um, seeing Killers of the Flower Moon. I have been very lucky. I'm going to get to see it the day before it gets released at a private screening. Thank you, Nathan Gunter from USA or from Oklahoma Today Magazine, who is my friend and bought me a ticket. I'm really excited to go see that and just continue supporting and um, building up Indigenous media in any way, shape or form that I can. Yeah, I mean, I would be curious to know what you think is the next step you know like if, if this series achieved those things and we're let's say we're at a place where mourning is over for people audience makers what do you feel would be next the world everything is open to us now sterling has 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 not only opened the door he's charged it down um he's going to be able to do anything he wants and that is allow going to allow so many more of us do. I mean, all the directors, all the actors, all the writers on the shows are going to go. It's like a drop of rain that hits a still water and it ripples out, right? And those ripples have no ch- no choice but to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is what we're going to have here. And that is what Sterling and Taika have, cre- have allowed by creating this. There's no stopping us now. 
Um, I think we're going to see some amazing stuff from Erica Trimley, who did Fancy Dance, who which also, P.S., that needs a wide release. I lost it watching that. Seriously had to have a moment. Several people came up to me afterwards and were like, we really wanted to give you some tissue. It was such a beautiful, beautiful film. Good medicine. You know, we're going to see a whole lot from like uh, Bobby Wilson and Dallas Skelltooth and Chad Charlie and, of course, Paulina and DeFerro and... Um, Lane Factor and uh, Devery, you know, we're going to see, we're going to see the world is ours now that this can never be undone. You can never unring that bell. I just think once, once all the strike stuff gets settled, we're going to see it. There's going to, there's no stopping us. They're not, they tried so hard to stop us this whole entire time. There's no stopping us. We're inevitable. Francis Danger, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mado. Quiana. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I enjoy following you on all of your socials. Drop your socials for us, for all of our listeners, so they can go find you. Okay. You can find me on um, Instagram and um, Facebook as Francis Danger. Also on Blue Sky as Francis Danger. And if you're Indigenous and need an invite for that, let me know. And then uh, on Twitter, I refuse to call it that other name. As Francis MF Danger. Yeah, that's right. Francis MF Danger. I'd love to hear from everybody. Um, I constantly want to build my community and my worldview. I'm super excited to have been able to, to have this conversation with you guys. And I appreciate the time. Well, thanks again for another fantastic episode of Real Indigenous. And remember, you'll catch us next week. Same Indigenous time, same Indigenous channel. And remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real, real indigenous. Did not follow your finger. I tried. I know. <laughs> you were directing? I missed that. I was trying. He was conducting there. <laughs> conducting, yes. <laughs>